I got a message for your American buddy. I'm your wife, dammit! Ah, we'll have to go up to the wives in the library or the supermarket and say hello. I am new here. I know, George, you think I don't know anything, but I know people. I get 18 years of my life to stand in the same spot as you. You wanted your file? I found you your file. You wanted out? I got you out. You needed money? I found you some. Now, let's face it here. I've got to, you know, latch on to something in my life. Oh, yeah, you no use to try to sweet talk me, Miss Scarlet. I knows you ever since I put the first pair of diapers on you. Who was gonna love me? Who, who was gonna make me feel good? I wish I had a mother like me instead of nice. Nice gets your shit. I got a two-inch thick solo in steak. Sit and defrost it right this minute. When you and Guy come over and supper with us tonight, what do you say? supporting podcast a podcast dedicated to celebrating and dissecting the performances of our favorite best supporting actresses my name is nick kachanov and you see this mole this mole on my neck you think it's changing color <laughs> and my name is colin drucker and i'll give audrey a quarter too audrey <laughs> <Yes>! <laughs> that i put in my if i could capitalize <laughs> in my notes app diane ladd is the like the breakaway star of this movie and i never even realized it was diane ladd ever ever until i watched it i hear right right well you know and and as you're saying that i was thinking oh man i think we need to put on instagram a side by side of albert finney and diane ladd in iconic glasses because like oh the glasses are just the beginning yeah the the owl quality of diane ladd because of the glasses oh i mean and I'll give Audrey a quarter to Audrey. It's the two Audrey. Yes. I, that yeah. delivery. It almost seemed improvised. I know. And, I, you know, I, I was hesitant to make that my opening line because I thought, well, it's kind of a, you know, it's not, she's not even on camera when she says it. But once you brought the mole, I knew we were in the same scene. You know? Yes. Oh, um, my God. <laughs> knock on the door. I always think of that, too, when she, when she says knock hello to, the door. to She pushes his nose Clark. up and yeah. checks his teeth. Knocks on oh. his forehead, checks his eye, pushes nose in, checks his teeth. I mean, no one told her to do that. No. He didn't even know she was going to do that. But she's Diane Ladd, so you just let her do it. <laughs> and just like... You know, she's young enough to... I see those sparks of, like, Laura Dern, you know, when yeah. she's young enough to sort of... Those little flashes. And I don't know how old she was when uh, she made this movie, but, uh, oh, God love her. Oh, God love her. God love Diane Ladd, who is who is working her way onto this podcast by hook or by crook. Like, it's true. Demands an episode. I We got a taste of her in 28 Days. You know, where she where she put her fingers in her own mouth and was like, get out of here, which is one of my favorite movie, one of my favorite no one told her to do that moments ever. Yes, yes. Um, but I think this may actually be our, our only our second Diane Ladd discussion on this podcast. I think so, too. And... I'm so glad it's a Christmas movie. Look at us. Chris, we found a Christmas movie. We found I don't know. a Christmas movie. What is your history with uh, Christmas Vacation, Colin? I'm and that's so intrigued. The yeah. episode we're here to talk about. That's the movie we, we're, we're here yes. to talk about today, actually. that's. <laughs> I'm glad you asked that because I actually came prepared to talk about the movie because this week's episode is about the BSAs <laughs> of 1989's National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. <laughs> uh, what a year. I love like the era that this is in it's right? so good it's so good there's something about the 1989ness of it that just it's just in it's it's hugged by the 80s on one side and the 90s on the other you know 
Yeah, there's like that put like the fashion is really interesting. There's st but yet there's still like, you know, that line about like, make sure you use a check, not a credit card. And like mm -hmm. those little I love those. I never I don't think I ever saw one in like real life. I was probably too short to see over the counter. But like those like swipey things for oh, your credit card. The credit card where it puts the imprint on the, yeah. on the carbon Ooh, copy. I love that. Like, oh, I love it. That I mean, that would be a great thing to find in a thrift store or somewhere as like a home decoration as an old credit card processor. Oh, that would be great. I would just like love the sound of it. I'd make Keon like I'm like, put it on the car. Yeah, put on my <laughs> diner's make club. Dinner. Yeah, 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 exactly. Um, up. Well, to answer your question, my um, my experience with National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation, this which I will just call Christmas Vacation going forward. Yeah. I just yeah, I had a I had a deal with National Lampoon. I had to name them twice. Um, there we go. I'll get my paycheck now. Yes. Uh, but this was one of those movies, and I feel like A League of Their Own was like this. I feel like there's others that'll come to me. Mrs. Doubtfire may have been like this, but this was one of those on TBS or on TNT on a Saturday afternoon or USA characters welcome. Yes. Uh, and I would catch it somewhere in the middle or like somewhere 20 minutes in and I would either watch to the end or I would watch to a certain point. But like it was a movie that for a long time I only really saw in pieces on TV. Um, but I felt like there were other people around me and of our like cohort where this was like, uh, a tradition this was like oh we watch the whole thing every year um but i never really watched the whole thing until i don't know at some point in my 20s probably yeah same i feel much like home alone and this movie and a christmas story are like the top three that sort of whether i wanted to or not i just i it was just a part of my family and but we never like formally sat down and watched it like a christmas story is sort of like built in because they have that marathon every year on tbs mm -hmm. uh, and i do like a christmas story i i don't i was just talking to someone today about like what you know like what is your favorite christmas movie and i don't think i have one i i mean i guess i would say it just feels like broy to say a, a christmas vacation you know what i mean cuz i is. like it for the women I know that like, you know, Shitter was full and like Cousin Eddie. I do love Cousin Eddie, to be honest, but I don't know. I I, I like Elf. I what what do you think? Well, I think I think you bring up a good point that there is something distinctly broy about liking Christmas vacation or having that be your favorite Christmas movie. Whereas yeah. a Christmas story has this kind of like it's I mean that was the movie where we watched it every year I feel like I have a memory of like you know watching it with my mom in her room she had a little tv in her room and I remember like watching it with her one night Ooh, like that. you know uh some Saturday night a few weeks before Christmas and that's like such a a staple memory of watching that movie with her even though we'd watched it so many other times um sure but that was like a fixture but I feel like there's something almost uh cutesier about that like you'll shoot your eye out and things like that um Whereas Christmas Vacation has kind of a, there's like a little, there's like a dirty twist to it. You know, there's the, there's Mary at the department store and the pool fantasy. And there's like, you know, uh, you know, uh, F-bombs dropped in here and there. And there's, and, and the shitter is full and all that. So it's kind of like a little bit cooler to like national, oh my God, I'm doing it again. National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. I better get a <laughs> bonus. Can't I can't stop myself from explaining <laughs> that this is National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. Um, but uh, that being said, I feel like the happy medium is Home Alone. I feel. Like, I feel. Yeah. Yeah. That was my. Just, that was my thought. That was all. I didn't want to. I didn't want to <laughs> no, go I on thought, a whole tangent. I was. I was. Uh, 
<laughs> we both just stared off into yeah. the distance. I think that, yeah, if there's like a Christmas movie, like math equation here, that that's, you know, that's where we end up because it's, it's like you get the slapstick of Christmas Vacation. There's some pretty good physical comedy in Christmas Vacation. I got a hand to the Chevy Chase, um, even though he's an asshole and like everyone knows it. And everyone knows it. What's that from? Or did I just make And that? everyone knows it. I don't know. I don't Some know. woman said that. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, but young Chevy Chase is super hot. I'm like so into him. I don't know what it is, but like, uh, I I I think that like in this movie. I don't know if it's because of there is like it's he is the reason for the season. You know, he's almost like uh, Tim the Toolman Taylor, mm-hmm. you know, but like I'd rather watch. Uh, I, I want to know more about Jill than Tim the Toolman Taylor. Of you know? course, always. And, and I think that's also why uh, Christmas Vacation, uh, National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation <laughs> is also kind of bro is the Chevy Chase thing. It's such a Chevy Chase movie. It's such like a a guy thing to be into Chevy Chase. Caddyshack. Caddyshack. Exactly. All that. You know, you you get some Fletch fans in there. And I feel like, you know, I don't know. I think that always seeing it as a kid, like, and, and I think Chevy Chase is like embodying so much of like that sort of like, ooh, this is almost more for adults than for me kind of energy. Like I I picked that up as a kid whenever I saw that. Like I think about the the scene where he's like, you know, staring out the window that night, that one night, like imagining the pool and imagining Mary from the department store taking off her bathing suit. And I was like, there's side boob. I should not be seeing this. And like he like in my interpretation of that scene as a kid and even watching it now is like when uh, little Ruby Sue comes in. I'm like, does yeah, but does like, does Clark have a boner that he needs to hide? Is what I'm trying yeah, to ask. Yeah, thank God for the robe. Thank God for not. the robe. And like that always just seemed like so obscene to me that it was like, here's this little girl like sneaking up on like you know Sparky having a fantasy Sparky. out the window, and I was, yeah. and that was just so dirty to me that like. It was it was just so wrong, and I feel like that's part of why it's cool to like National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. Yeah, I mean, there's just like a slight, and I don't want to say slight, like a pretty, a decent handful of misogyny and just or just like uh, objectifying women. But it sort of fits that template of like doofy dad, smart wife, and like a whole bunch of side characters um, that we've kind of grown out of you know what i mean like i feel like all those sitcoms that came out like king of queens and home improvement and and beyond and i i'm glad we're finally focusing more on the women i'd like to think that we're making progress there but i don't you know sitcoms yeah i was gonna say this is reminding me of our conversation during our BSA of the early days of Grays, where it was like all these other like New Amsterdam and nine one one, who's watching Blue Bloods? But like similarly, it's like who's watching these sitcoms on CBS? And like, has the model improved and changed? Like, in in terms of that, like, you know, great value sitcom. You know, not not the you know. Uh, highfalutin, I don't know, uh, HBO sitcom, not a, not in just like that. It's not, I'm not looking, talking about the White Lotus here, you know? Yeah. Um, you know, or is that show Kevin Can Fuck Himself kind of the, the death knell to all of that, you know? Yeah, I never finished that. You finished it? No, yes. I never even started no. it. So maybe okay. this is a, a reminder that I should watch that show because I am, uh, I'm dying for something to watch. I'm just burning through stuff. Maybe I should get off the couch. I don't know. 
Mm. Mm. Um, <laughs> but anyway, you know, you you mentioned something earlier that I think is is it's the reason for the season for us doing this episode is that well, Chevy Chase is the star of Christmas Vacation and has been the star of this whole franchise. With you know, this is the third one I think after the first one in European Vacation, which I haven't seen European Vacation. That's neither um, have I. I've seen Vegas Vacation like four times. I don't know why. Same. I've seen it too. I was just think there was a um I was at the gym not the gym. I was with my trainer. Let's not get excited. I don't oh, go to the gym. Yeah. But he plays music and that song um then then a rooftop shouting out baby i'm ready to go oh when yes. audrey is on top of like the letters like dancing when she gets like her wild phase yes and i don't know why that immediately popped into my head oh my and, uh, god nick papa giorgio that he like has this uh is the, like uh rusty who the delicious and so nerdy ethan embry is that his name yes uh-huh. yeah i love him he wins like four cars Oh my god! You're bringing me back. You know, I I, that's a movie that I should revisit. I feel like I saw it in the theaters like at least twice, but then that was also a TNT movie. Of course, yeah, yeah. Um, But I remember that song. I think that band was called Republica, if I remember correctly. Which is, you know, useless trivia, but great song. Um, But yeah, European Vacation. All I know is there's a scene where they like drive into Stonehenge and knock it over. Uh, Oh my god! But I was like, oh, I'll get to it. And then. National Lampoon's vacation, you know, vacation, if you will. I feel like I've seen like 80% of that. And I feel like the most important thing to mention is that Jane Krakowski's in it. Whoa. I don't think I've ever seen it. It may, no, not even bits and pieces. Oh, well, she, it, she plays one of uh, Cousin Eddie's uh, older kids. He plays her, his, uh, she talked, he talks about her a little bit in this. Like, oh yeah, she's, you know, uh, getting she's in rehab for getting her off oh, the wild yeah. turkey yes That's yes her yes character. yeah oh my god love that yeah i mean alcoholism isn't a joke but we love jane but we love jane you know we do. uh we i think we talked about this in the westons but for now whenever i think of jane krakowski obviously i always think of 30 rock but now i equally think of her amazing role in stepping out i know what what a time what a great choice that was. And that was something that you chose, right? That You're just like, was, what about this movie? But it was uh one of our one of our Patreons, uh oh. Vanessa. 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 I'm like, why am I thinking that's not but I know it is. I know it's Vanessa. She's sure she's been a Mary. She had recommended it to us on All Right Mary uh a while ago, and so it was just kind of sitting sitting on a shelf like that Republican trivia. Yeah. <laughs> and what a delight. What I love that movie. Oh, it's so good. Ugh. Liza. And, and peak that Liza. Peak Liza. Peak Liza. And then she has that scene with Jane Krakowski. And Jane Krakowski is like the nurse at like the old folks home. And she says, one of my old ladies died tonight. And I think about that yeah. all the time. <laughs> oh, it's so good. Way more than I should. Um, but anyway, we are not here to talk about one of her old ladies dying tonight. Uh, we are here to talk about, uh, sorry, to go back to the reason I'm saying this, to your point, that there are women, there are a number of great women, some we've talked about before, some we have not talked about enough, a la Diane Ladd, uh, in this movie. And I feel like the, the, the dude broing over Christmas Vacation is glossing over the Diane Ladd of it all. 
Yeah, I mean, I was pitching this movie to you in a text, and I was going through the the cast list. It was like Beverly D'Angelo, we got Juliette Lewis, we got Julia Louis Dreyfus, yeah, Diane Ladd, Doris Roberts. I mean, come on, come on, and like, uh, not only is Diane Ladd. Do you know there are, I believe, two other alum in this movie that we have talked <gasps> about previously. Oh, Women. three actually, three. Yes, three women, three BSAs, or three female actors that we have talked about previously. Do you okay. know who they are? And I've not mentioned them in that list, or I have. You may have mentioned them. I believe there's three in total, other than okay. so, Diane Ladd. Okay, I'll take Diane Ladd. So we definitely talked about Julia Louis-Dreyfus uh-huh. in, in our Seinfeld episode. Uh, Juliette Lewis... A number of times. Yeah, really. I feel like Yellow Jackets and, uh, you know. August Osage County and Hysterical Blindness. Oh, my gosh, yes. Yeah. And then, um, and did we ever talk about Doris? Hello, my name is Doris. I am new here. It doesn't. (laughs) (laughs) Combine in quotes. Yeah, it it doesn't. I don't think it counts because it was a, a best supporting assignment. I think there was an episode of. Uh, Everybody Loves Raymond, I think that you assigned to me. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember Where that. Maybe the... you assigned to me. Maybe. Nope. But me, yeah, I... you assigned to me. Yeah. Yeah. But there, so this is a this is a tricky one. I'll give it to you. This is a, this is a tricky one. Uh, Ruby Sue is played by Ellen Latson, who plays the daughter in Fatal Attraction. Whoa. I did see that she was in Fatal Attraction, but I didn't, you know, <laughs> I'm like, what's one more click? I was like, I can't. I couldn't um, possibly. Yeah. I couldn't possibly be bothered, but okay. Wow. Yeah. Uh, and for what it's worth, uh, in terms of men that we've talked about before, I believe the only one is, do you know? Let me, let me scroll. Let me scroll. It's a smaller role, so I'll give you okay. a hint. Okay. Oh gosh, it, it, like I feel like it's. Uh, here are my here are my front runners. Here we have E.G. Marshall as Art, who plays Ellen's dad. He's mm-hmm. a pain in the ass. John Randolph, who plays Clark's dad, oh, or I maybe even. Him. Oh my no, he was so cute. Yeah, it's a butte, Clark. It's a butte. <laughs> yeah. That was almost my opening line. Uh, is it Brian Doyle Murray? The the. Oh wait, is it? Yeah, wait, as Mister Shirley. I don't know where I'm going, but I'm going to say Mr. Shirley. Well, you got the right company, but it's the wrong employee. So uh, Clark's work friend, Bill, played by Sam McMurray. Drop dead gorgeous. Yes. You know, I, I, my clue was going to be his co-star just passed away. Oh, yeah. Kirstie oh Alley. Oh, God. Kirstie Alley. Whoa. Yeah. Whoa. Uh, yeah. Whoa. We'll talk about that in the after show. We will. Um, but yes, yeah, Sam McMurray who plays Bill. And I have to say... I I don't know why he's in two scenes. I love Bill. I just love Bill. He's just this great work friend. Yeah, he's like, well, have a great holiday. The way he like yeah. tosses his head aside. He really everyone needs a Bill. Yeah, he, and and then like he gets like, he gets to have like a little like furrow his brow. And he's like, are you okay? Like it was just a what are you like a, a a kindly older secretary? Like what is this conversation? You know? Yeah, they have their coffee. It's like you have to. It's like his uh, his work husband. Yes, it's it's Clark's work husband, Bill. I just yes. I love Bill. So I just I didn't I, I didn't know if Bill would get much airtime otherwise this episode, but I need to highlight like come Westons. I know this is crazy, but like 
I might push Bill as featured ensemble. <laughs> I don't have to tell you. I might push Bill. <laughs> oh, I love that. I I would not be offended by that. Yeah. I love that you brought him up. You know, I feel like this year, as we're coming towards the end of this year, I feel like if we look back, the percentage of men who've worked their way into our conversations this year. I'm proud of us in a way. Because yeah. we're talking about the right man, I feel. Yeah. It's not that I don't like men. I mean, come on. Men are great. Yeah. But like... You know, as they say, not all men. <laughs> yes, hashtag. Hashtag not all men. I don't like all men, but I like some, you know? Yeah, I I like this. I like the trend. I think that as we, you know, as we move forward, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about more men. Why not? Yeah, because I kind of feel like Best Supporting Actor is still like a very interesting category. And I feel like this yes. year is is especially with uh wayman from everything ever all at once it's yes. like that's kind of like albert finney and aaron brockovich uh our episode last week where it's like oh i, just, I love that that performance is getting recognized and nominated like uh it just makes me feel as good as an and doubt in mass you know oh yeah i mean we never got it but she, she got didn't get nominated did she did no <sighs> didn't she get nominated and doubt for mass did i make that up no i wish she did well in the in the fantasy that i live in and dowd uh, she got nominated and then uh what's her name martha, martha plimpton. plimpton it was like a sweep she got she she got an emmy and she wasn't even on tv Ugh, that's the world i want to live in yeah so uh anyway um i'm like i'm looking up like oh my god you're right you're right. She didn't get an Oscar nomination for. I have been living a lie in my mind for like a few months now, thinking, well, at least Anne got nominated last year. It didn't happen. Yeah. I mean, I. It's like I almost can't even talk about it. Oh, it's yeah. like the, the, the mass erasure. The mass erasure. It was. It was actually a mass erasure because they just erased everyone from that movie in one fell swoop. Yeah. So, uh, well, we didn't. So if you want to hear us talk about Mass, you can listen to most of the Westons or the Mass episode, but uh, which is <laughs> called the Mass episode. Yeah. So Christmas Vacation, everybody knows what this movie is about. It's not so much about anything as it's just kind of chronicling, you know, the, the two weeks before vacation, uh, before vacation, before Christmas, uh, which brings up a question I have uh, in the Griswold household with, you know, grandparents staying and, you know, some surprise guests closer to the, 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 the day itself. Um, that being said, is this really a vacation? Is that he's still working? <laughs> yeah, that's true. I didn't even think about I mean, really, it kind of goes all the way back to Thanksgiving. Yeah. Does it? Does it? Yes, because there, uh, there's. I mean, the re the only reason I remember this is because it's a great Diane Ladd moment and Doris Roberts, of uh, the two men, the two old men sleeping in their recliners, and Doris Roberts smoking a cigarette, and Diane Ladd is like, she has this like obscenely long paintbrush, and she's making a gingerbread house, and she's like slathering it on, and both of their arms are crossed. It's like a five second moment, but I cackled. It's so worth going back and watching. Um, but the Macy's Day Parade was on in the background. So they got there at Thanksgiving, Colin. That's cr I, I feel like we got a shot of somebody opening that little door. I think this is one of the... Like the 14th or something yeah. started. Yep. Maybe they were watching a Maybe it's a goof. Maybe it's a that goof. That they show the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade, but yeah. Yeah, because I don't want to live in a world where all four of your grandparents are living in your... I mean, God bless grandparents, but like... 
go to it days in, you know? Yeah, as Whoopi Goldberg once said, I don't want anyone in my house. Period. Full stop. Period. End of story. Not people in my house for the holidays. Oh, not people in my house. <laughs> Cringe. Oh, God. You know? <laughs> Some drawing the drapes and turning with off this... the front light. <laughs> with the porch yes. light. Yeah. Yes. This is a great house, though. I will say, like, it's a very 90s, like, Kevin mm-hmm. McAllister type house. Great staircase. Great staircase. A uh, lot of bedrooms. A lot yeah. of wallpaper. A lot of, you know, like, everyone had, there were three types of dining room tables in the 90s, and they had one of them. That's true. With those Very roundy true. back chairs, you know. Oh, yeah. Um, we didn't have those as a kid, but we had one of the other three, one of the other two, you know. Yeah, I think we had roundy back, but it wasn't, like, as fancy as this table, though. You yeah. Know, I don't know where we got our, we still have it. This the table. Well, I mean, I saw a picture of your parents' living room, and that oh my god, that carpet's carpet? certainly not new, so that none of that surprises me. Oh my god, the carpet is this. It's so funny because I, I never blinked. I I mean, I know it's like a crazy color. It's like a reddish orange, like copper color, but it's thick, and uh, it, it we've had it all our life. It's crazy. It it's. I mean, it is a it is a bold. It is a bold, a bold choice to never and and to go into the 21st century and say nope, still good with this. Like I feel like a lot of people had those. I and, and I say all this loving that rug, by the way. Yeah, I mean I, I do love too. That rug, but I feel like there was a wave of people who then were like, oh, we need to get Berber in here. You know, we need to get some yes. kind of cream or something. We need to get a pattern. And uh, I just appreciate that your parents are like, I don't, I don't see a need uproot yeah. my life we've talked about it so many times not so many times but my dad's like it's a good carpet why would we take it out and uh you know he's got a point yeah i just i just want them to decorate their house like a gay man in palm springs and get more yes. mid-century modern furniture in commit there. yeah yes. like can you just be can your parents just be a couple of gay men in their 70s am i asking <laughs> I for the moon say. here you know <laughs> Uh, well, my mom's halfway there. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, her name's Deb. But that's that's pretty it's gay. True. Yes. You know? Yeah. That's um, pretty gay. That's pretty gay. You know. Um, I feel like that's a whole conversation of like names that women's names that gay men love. Like, I love the name Barbara. You know. Yeah, Barbara, Diane, Diane, Deb. Debbie, Linda. Um, I love a good. There's like something. Oh, it's it has like an e at the end of it. I mean, there's Debbie, but like, um, oh, the ease, yeah. Oh, she's like, it's not Shelly, although I do like. I do Shelley. like Shelly. I love Shelly. We have a Beverly in this movie. I love a Beverly. Beverly, Bev, Bev. I love a. Bev. I like a short name, mm-hmm. like a like a longer name that also works, but the nickname also works. Yeah, too. yeah. Oh well, that yeah, that'd be fun. Actually. Yeah, Shirley. Shirley's a fun name. Uh, well, you know. <laughs> that have, I have no transition from that. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> let's talk about some of the ladies in this movie. Let's start let's... with the Beverly. Let's talk about Beverly D'Angelo. Oh, what a what a gem! What a lovely, um, you know, like she's. It's a hard role to sort of navigate because she's like the smart one, and she's like Ellen knows that this is going to be a disaster from the very beginning. Yeah, I feel like this role, you know, at least in the other the other two I've seen in this one like Beverly D'Angelo I feel like has a harder job than Chevy Chase because he yeah. gets to play the wacky notes and she she's not just being the like 
Patricia Heaton to Ray Romano's Ray. You know what I mean? Like she also yes. plays like 20% absurd as well. You know, like she does. Yes. And I think that's what makes it harder is that she like can also, there's one moment where she's in the kitchen with Audrey and you know, she's all stressed out and, and she starts lighting a cigarette and she says, I don't know what else to say except it's Christmas and we're all in misery. And then she, she lights the cigarette and all the matches go flying out of the box. <laughs> yes. And it's such like a minor little moment, but like she it's almost like blink and you miss it when when Ellen does something strange. But I think that's so much harder than Clark, you know, uh, just kind of going gonzo whenever he wants, you know? Yeah. And the ultimate sort of form of that, too, is at the very beginning when, uh, you know, Clark has sap all over his hands and she's naming all the times that, like everything uh-huh. is ruined in his entire life. And like her hair gets stuck. The, the It's so funny. And she makes it funnier by just laying there right like I exactly it's like instead of her going oh Clark stop you're sticking to my hair she's just rolling with the scene like it's normal and yeah it makes it so much better yeah I mean and she has to deal with all the bullshit while like Clark is outside like decorating the house for six days in a row like she has to deal with it I mean moms always do let's be honest yeah right there's that thing of like getting to go outside and fiddle with the lights means you get to go outside and get away from the family Yes. And one of my favorite moments is like uh, near the end when um, he gets the Jelly of the Month Club, he thinks he's getting the bonus. And Ellen says, like, he's about to open it. And she's like, drum roll. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. And she like looks over to someone. I don't know who it is. It's so cute. I love that. And it felt so improvised where she's like, oh, no, we don't need that. You know, like it was such a little thing that like. Remember that one? Oh, you remember that one when we did that before? (laughs) It was such a cute little moment. Ugh, And like, I think it was. I think it was earlier in the movie when he when Clark finally gets the lights to work and he like he hugs uh, Ellen and then like his mother is standing in front of them and then he like puts his arm around her and like squeezes Ellen between him and his mother. Yes. And yes. she's like peeking up like, you know, help me, you know, but like she's <laughs> yes, not overplaying exactly. it at all. It's so funny. Yeah, I one of my favorite lines is Catherine says he's been holding out for a management position about cousin. <laughs> Just like the deadpan almost. Yeah. And that like that very sort of genteel voice. Like she doesn't she doesn't freak out. She doesn't raise her voice. She doesn't punch the punchlines. I it's I don't know if Ellen's getting the respect she deserves for these movies. Yeah, she is on this podcast, I'll tell you that much. Yeah. Beverly D'Angelo, who's a such an interesting actress. I, I feel like I've I have seen her in other things, but I don't know her that well. Um the thing that I think of the most, and it's not even a significant role, uh, it's there's a movie from 1996 starring Sally Field called Eye for an Eye. Have you ever heard of it? Ooh, no. Oh, my God. So it's it's good. Eye for an Eye starring Sally Field, Kiefer Sutherland, Ed Harris. <gasps> oh, um, I bet he looks great. Oh, he looks incredible. And he drives a Jeep Cherokee. It's unfathomable. Oh, it's no. unfathomable. Does he wear jeans? Yes. <laughs> oh, with a shirt with like a couple of Yes, yes. <laughs> How did you know? Um, and anyway, it's a it's a dark movie. It's like Sally Field plays this woman whose daughter gets killed in the beginning. It, it's an incredible sequence. It's on YouTube. It is Sally Field like because she's on the phone with her daughter while her daughter is getting attacked at home. And <gasps> Sally Field's like stuck in traffic, like coming home with balloons for a birthday party. Oh my God. And then Sally's like running through traffic, screaming and like screaming for someone to call the police. It is 
it is the, the wildest movie opening. It is so intense, but and I almost feel like the rest of the movie doesn't quite match that. But basically, this guy, you know, rapes and kills her daughter and uh, gets away with it, or like for you know through like some mistrial situation, he's set free, and so she decides to seek revenge. Whoa. That I, sounds great. Yeah. Honestly. honestly, like I think the opening is scary, but like the the Sally Field acting, and you know what's gonna happen, so it's not, you know, there's no jump scares, but the Sally Field acting is next level. But uh where does Bev come in? Bev, sorry, and I just realized, but the point of That's this okay, is that yeah. Beverly D'Angelo plays like a supportive friend who shows up in like two scenes. But oh, well, we love a supportive I friend. love a supportive friend. Yeah. I feel like she's one of those actresses that like I don't know. I want to see her in like a streetcar named Desire or something like that. Like I want. She's such a bombshell. Um, you must be psychic because she was in a streetcar <gasps> named Desire. Maybe I knew that. Yeah. I'm like sometimes I even amaze myself. Yeah, she was in a streetcar named Desire in a 1984 TV movie, and she played Stella. I kind of love that. Right. She was opposite. Let's see. She was with Anne Margaret. As Blanche and Treat Williams, the uh, iconic Treat, Treat Williams. I know Stanley. what a name. I know, I love, but it works. It sounds good. I I like it. Yeah. So, uh, oh my God, here's another. Here's here. You want to even crazier? Uh, Mitch, the like fourth character. You yes. know this, Randy Quaid. Randy Quaid. Yes. Randy Quaid. Yeah. Okay. I think we. Maybe I went in hard for our streetcar episode and found that somewhere. I think I might have even. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, I, okay. Well, this is. I'm so glad you have this info. I mean, this is, you know, uh, it's very important. So who knows? Maybe maybe one day we'll talk about uh, another streetcar named Desire because we did do the original uh, with Kim Hunter. But maybe yeah. we'll do another one because I feel like Stella is like such a BSA character that it's like, how does this person do Stella? You know? Oh yeah, an annual streetcar, yeah, yeah, episode or right? something. There's uh, enough. There's yeah, enough. there's even Marge Simpson in the streetcar uh, episode of The Simpsons. Have you ever there seen there that? we go. I have not. Oh, you would love it. They they decided to do uh, a musical production of Streetcar, and she plays Blanche, and it's incredible. Ooh, sign me up. Love it. Um, maybe it'll be one of your assignments. Ooh. Uh, but anyway, Beverly, I the other movie that we may end up talking about Beverly in is first name basis at this point is she played Patsy Klein in Coal Miner's Daughter. Oh, and which, I love this. Yeah, which Sal, which of course Sally Field, Sissy Spacek won an Oscar for. Yes. But apparently, Beverly D'Angelo is incredible as Patsy Klein. So, uh, you know, and that's a movie oh, I've right. never seen, and I bet. Sissy Spake, Sissy Spakek. I bet she's even better than my speaking. <laughs> Spakek. Uh, Sissy Spakek. And the winner that. is Sissy Spakek. Sicky Spakek. Sicky Spakek. Um, take that, Adele Dazeem. Uh, I know. I don't know why that <laughs> Sicky, tickled me pink. Sicky Spacek. That's a great yeah. drag name. Yes. Um, but yeah, so uh, if we ever want to talk about Ellen again, or Beverly, if it, as the case may be, there are some opportunities. Ugh. We're learning so much today. Yeah. Or being reminded. I'll We're say. being reminded. Um, but uh, another familiar face, Juliette Lewis as Audrey. Uh, oh, my gosh. I, You know, I, Audrey, I mean, I love how the kids are just like a, a rotating casting. It's always someone different in every movie. I mean, she's forever my Audrey and like forever, you know, Rusty, that little, I almost called him Jonathan Lipnicki. What's his name? Jonathan. Johnny Galecki. 
Johnny Galecki, yeah. I totally had a crush on him when I was like in my early, you know, the early 90s, mid 90s. Like he was the kind of boy that I thought was just so cool and cute. Yeah, he and he's a he's a great little actor. He really is. Yeah. Yeah, I was a Jonathan Brandis little gay but i could see the appeal of of jonathan galecki or johnny galecki whatever his name is yeah because i i think his best moment is uh speaking of diane ladd when she says you know grandma's got a real painful burr on her foot if, if you rub it i'll give you a quarter and he's like oh wow a quarter oh, wow. They, like the way he like laughs it's so funny he's really charming or, or when when clark wants him to like uh, help check the lights. He's like, oh man, I better get to bed. I got to check the, I got to clean the car. I got to do the laundry. I got to pay those bills. I, and he just like, keeps doing it as he walks off screen. He's, he's great. I feel like uh, it's kind of like that, that uh, Macaulay Culkin thing where it's like, oh, you're not cringy at all. Like you're, you're, it's like the four baths of Aaron Brockovich. You're great. Yeah. I mean, honestly, I know that, you know, going back to Juliette Lewis, um, she she doesn't want to i mean who wants to sleep with their sibling i guess but he seems cool like he's not like he doesn't like wet the bed like that kid in home alone you know well yeah and and as a kid i when whenever she would talk about like oh god i like i i have nightmares about what he does in his own bed that was another one of those things of like oh god there's just this like dirty underside to yeah. this movie of like yeah. what what are you implying like what's going to happen you know um is he like a total perv like what's going to happen yeah get off me you little fungus yeah. that. it's such a 90s like there was a po- oh gosh this is such a tangent but uh, there was a tiktok that i saw and it was a two podcasters going back and forth about like their favorite 90s insults mm-hmm. and they each picked one it was like an insult draft and one of them was like fart knocker do you remember that yes that because i feel like it was a beavis and butthead thing and that's why because yeah. i don't ever hear that anymore butt munch yep they don't hear that anymore S- yeah i mean uh, either way going back to juliette lewis though i love her clothes i love her hats i love her fashion and i do love that she sticked up sticked up <laughs> i'm like sticky space yeah, sticky space sticky spack stuck up for me <laughs> it's my new theater warm-up. yeah <laughs> um when doris roberts says something i mean it's a great line from also uh the the gentleman who plays uh ellen's uh, husband oh, oh eg marshall father. yes yes yeah. and she's like uh he worked really hard grandma and he's like so do washing machines and that make that's such a great comeback yeah so do washing machines he yeah sucks, that yeah guy. i did like that audrey defended her father in that one yes. part. i thought that was sweet i feel like she's i mean juliette lewis it's like because she comes from the same era as like christina ricci and obviously now they're both in yellow jackets but like I feel like they had very distinct brands or they still have very distinct brands that just worked from a very young age. You know, like this has been her brand for the past 30 years, you know? I'm going to say something. I feel, I mean, this is another one of my dream episodes that we need to do. Uh, We'll jot it down. Like, I feel Juliette Lewis has an Oscar in her one day. I don't know what it's going to be for, but I just feel like with the momentum she's like, had her entire career she's just one of those girls that everyone loves at least i think so in my mind i think she's gonna get a bsa one one year i think i'll call it now i think and and if it's not for a movie hopefully it's a a, you know a golden globe or an emmy for tv um yeah it's like has she won stuff so she uh she got nominated for a movie we could talk about i don't know how scary it is but the 90s cape fear 
Uh, she was nominated for Best Supporting Actress in 1982. Okay, I like that. Uh, and that movie also has Jessica Lange in it. We love Jessica Lange. We do. Uh, she was nominated for Hysterical Blindness, as we know. Um, she And I've never seen her in From Dusk Till Dawn, but that's another movie. I feel like, I mean, there was like, oh, another movie I forgot we talked about her in, The Evening Star. Oh, yes. And the reason I'm remembering that is because she won the 1997 Blockbuster Entertainment Award for Favorite Supporting Actress in a Drama. Oh, my God, yes. Yeah, the Blockbusters that's are the not, one. you know, like, that's the one. That's You, you want to know if Juliet's getting the appreciation she deserves? Check the Blockies, you know? Uh, it's like Molly Shannon at the, the Independent Spirit Awards. Right? Ugh. Uh. Some of my favorite speeches. Well, Juliette Lewis did get nominated for an Independent Spirit Award for Hysterical Blindness, so that feels oh, good. Oh, there we go. Yeah. Um, okay. But I hear you. I feel like I feel like she. My my assumption is that she's also a bit like of a Hollywood outsider. That she's like too weird, like too kind of like unpredictable. Like I guess I'm thinking of that video where she's like, "Britney Spears, why won't you save us?" Have you seen that video? I think I have. Yeah, Where she's in I, the car. And she's, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, it's not. Yeah, but it's good. It's good. It's good. I was gonna say good TV, but uh, I wonder if that's how a lot of people see Juliette Lewis. Holly you know? weird. As Holly weird. Exactly. But in her own kind of class. But um, I like the idea of at least if she's not gonna get Oscars anytime soon. Maybe I mean, you know who knows? Maybe an Emmy. Maybe you know. Uh, she's in this Welcome to Chippendales miniseries. Who knows? That's yeah. out right now. Um, I feel like we should have we should talk about her more. Maybe one day we'll do Cape Fear. You know, I think that would be great yeah. and scary, but I'm in for it. I mean, for it. your other option is the other sister, and I don't think we should do that. <laughs> I don't know that one. Oh, Wait. really? Oh, is it scary or it's sad not or scary? What? No. So the other sister is. This is a movie that I definitely watched a lot. Because it was just like, I've just seen it many times. Um, in some ways, it's kind of perfect for us because it is directed by Gary Marshall. It stars Diane Keaton. Oh. Um, but it is Juliette Lewis and Giovanni Ribisi playing two um, mentally challenged people who fall in oh, love. No. Oh, and no. they are doing full on um, Danny kind of voices. Sure. I'm oh. sorry I had to do it, but I had yeah, to demonstrate uh, for the people uh, what what exactly the other sister is. But it's also Diane Keaton uh, and Tom Skerritt playing his usual, like, two. You know what I mean? Like, Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sarah Paulson <laughs> plays one of the sisters. Whoa. So there's that. Um, but no, it is it is distinctly not. It, it, it's not a movie that has aged well at all. Um I should say not. And and there was a time before I knew better where I would quote lines from this movie out loud. Yeah, I mean we didn't know any better. I didn't know any better. I was a I it was nineteen ninety nine, so I was what, fourteen? And it was nineteen ninety nine. That was like the seventies, you know? <laughs> you know? Yeah. I remember, yeah. I remember the seventies felt so long ago and now that you know, it's like the same bullshit like that. 2000 was 22 years ago that's that's crazy to me i don't feel that old i but i feel that everyone says that yeah and I the think... years just keeping keep getting faster colin it's a little scary oh my god you're like that bare naked ladies song yeah the years stop coming and they don't stop coming yeah. isn't that smash Mouth? i think it's smash mouth yeah okay. i i try to not know the difference between those bands yeah sure <laughs> i try to know as little as possible about those like 
those bands. Sure, yes. Yeah. Um, so, yes. Yeah, so we've got Johnny Galecki and Juliette Lewis as, as Audrey and Rusty. Um, a nuance I noticed this time that I want to talk about is because the other kind of the, the ensemble, you know, grows with the inclusion of the four grandparents. And so Diane Ladd and John Randolph play Clark's parents and E.G. Marshall and Doris Roberts play uh, Beverly Ellen's parents. And mm-hmm. the thing that I also picked up is that cousin Eddie is also from Ellen's side of the family. And I think. Aunt Bethany and Uncle Lewis. So all of the dysfunctional family members, all of the really fucked up people come from Ellen's side of the family. <gasps> and Clark's parents are like entirely reasonable characters and very sympathetic the whole time. Nora and Art. Yeah. Oh, they're so cute. And I mean, I, t- oh, I Nora told and Clark you, Sr. Because Art oh, is yeah, sorry, yeah, yeah, sorry, yeah, sorry. Um, oh, Art. Why did I write Art? I wrote Art. No. I, yes, thank you for correcting me. I said art, but meant to say Clark Sr. Thank you. People um, will write in, you know. They will. Yeah. But one of my favorite little moments is, I think it's when the cat is about to get electrocuted, um, is when, and you see Nora and Clark Sr. And they're like giving Eskimo kisses at dinner. And it is so fucking cute. And they give each other like actual kisses. Mm. I love them. It, like if, if when you go back and watch this, only watch Diane Ladd and- you know, John Randolph. But you're right. Calm, cool, collected. Super yeah. Cool. Yeah, like super lovely. Like they get to have these like really sort of wholesome moments with Clark and they're really supportive of the lights and, you know, and of all of his efforts. And and then Clark has that really sweet scene with his dad towards the end that like kind of got me this time. Yeah. Where he was like, you know, you know, it, you messed up. And, and and the way he goes, and that's okay. You know, and it was just like, oh, he's such a nice dad oh i know it it has notes of like he's he's a waiter his family's rich (laughs) (laughs) the the rupaul thing (laughs) oh well i think we can play that i think there's no reason why we can't get a little owen on here Uh, owen's a terrible waiter i don't care about what he's rich his family's rich he'll be fine all right. For I, reference. Yeah, for reference. I will have to clip the clip of John Randolph doing because I love that. I, it is very similar. Um, it's a great scene. And the other scene, too, it's like I do love. I mean, what a great Halloween costume, too, when Clark gets locked in the attic. Oh, my um, God. Yeah. That should be like skip the ugly sweater contest and wear that to your to like your uh, company holiday party. And I would give you a hug. I think I'd be like, yes, the pink gloves. The turquoise shower cap? What is it? I don't know. A regular oh, hat it's, and the it's, fur? It's like a, it, I feel like, what's your name? Gloria so Swanson wore yes. one of those, you know? But just like finding those videos and um, and the song is beautiful. It's a Ray Charles song. Because mm-hmm. um, I don't know. You know, the, the, those are the moments when you see those people, when you see your family and like how dressed up everyone used to get too, like way back in the day. I mean, obviously I wasn't alive in the fifties, but also a great nuance of that is Diane Ladd. Cause she's in the videos too, with like a blonde wig and she really looks like Laura Dern. Oh yeah. Yeah. She's got this big old shiny wig on. Um, and, and by videos, they're dusty old film cans. <laughs> I don't even know how he figured out how to like, we don't know, have, we don't see him setting event. up the movie the movie theater in the attic, but that scene when when Clark is stuck in the attic, and yeah, the music and it like it made me nostalgic for like something that wasn't even mine, you know, and yeah, it made me think about like oh, 
there is so much about this movie that does make me nostalgic for something that is mine. Like there is something about, I don't know. I grew up with Christmas in the nineties. I grew up in Christmas in 1989, you know, like, uh, and, and just even beyond that, like just this being something that was on TNT and, you know, 1997, you know what I mean? Like this has in its own ways, like layers of nostalgia, within it like a celebration of Clark's nostalgia but then in then it also the movie this movie gives us those similar feelings does that make any sense no it does yeah I think that it's it's not even our family but there's there it's universal in the fact that like holidays are chaotic even if it is National Lampoon's full full title thank you thank you Christmas vacation thank you um I'll 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 Venmo you your cut later yeah Yeah, exactly residuals yeah I, I just think that it's so needed. He needed a break, even though Ellen's running the show and she needed the break out of anyone because what's her face? Oh, what's his face? Arts. He like grabs her arm. It was like, leave him. I got to take my back pill. I got to eat so I can me. take my back pill. Yeah. Yes. I'm like, oh God, poor Ellen. Poor yeah. Ellen. How they all yeah. fit in that car? Oh, no I way. know that, that station wagon. Oh, love a station do wagon. People... But you're right. It's... Oh, go ahead. Oh, say, do people still have wood paneled station wagons? You know? Oh, I don't know, but I—I I mean, I think back to our episode of the Good Vanilla when uh, Tr's Wagoneer. I love a wagon. Oh my God! You know, Tr's Wagoneer and Ed Harris's Jeep Wrangler in <sighs> Eye for an Forget Eye. It. I'm telling you, the two of them could run me over, and I wouldn't care. <laughs> <laughs> Merry Christmas to all. That is a good point about this movie: is that like while it does have the bro moments and it does have like, you know, terrorizing Todd and Margo who we'll talk about. Um, it does have these sweet moments of Clark reminiscing about his childhood while dressed as, you know, um, you know, Gloria Swanson in, in sunset Boulevard cleaning her toilet. Yeah. Yeah. And then that sweet scene with his dad towards the end where he's like, are you going to do the night night before Christmas? And Clark senior is like, it's your house. You know, you know, I I retire. You do it. And it was just this sweet moment. And I thought, oh, I love that this movie can have Randy Quaid emptying a septic tank in the in the, you know, uh, in the gutter. And then a few minutes later, we can get like a moment where I'm like, huh, there's a really sweet father son narrative in this movie. You know? (laughs) Yeah, there really is. I, I bring this up every once in a while, but I, I just think it's interesting. Chevy Chase was 46 when he filmed this, and actors who are now around that age are Ryan Reynolds, Benedict Cumberbatch, and uh, Freddie Prinze Jr. Oh, I just... At, at age makes no sense to me. It's so wild. I do think that if they were, and they, I assume it's not happening, though at some point it'll happen, if they were to remake Christmas Vacation right now, a la Clue, they would probably get Ryan Reynolds. Okay, we need to talk about Ryan Reynolds here because I feel like I could do a TED Talk at this point. I'd have to do some research. Every, no, I shouldn't say every, but most straight men are like will always name Ryan Reynolds as their number one like crush. Mm. And I don't know what it is. I don't know like what it is about him. I don't know like what they're drawn to physically or um, if it's just his vibe. Are you aware of this? It checks out. I could understand. I, I feel like there is, I wonder, and, and I'm I'm swimming in waters that I barely qualified to. I should stick to the rivers and lakes that I'm used to, but sure. I feel like the Deadpool thing is part of this because I That's feel like one. that character is also a little sexually fluid, so it probably awakens something in, in it's interesting, some right? of these boys, you know? 
Yeah, I mean the Kinsey scale, talk about it, but um I I don't know cuz he is like he's very pretty, Ryan Reynolds, mm-hmm. but he's not at the top of my list like ever. You know, like I but I mean he's hot, he's great and like funny and he's a great dad and his wife is Blake Lively and they seem to have a great relationship as far as I know. Mm. I'm like Jody chime in if you have any uh what are those called, the blind items? Yeah, right. Um but yeah, I I don't know. That's just a thought because I I I know at least 3 straight men in my life who will openly admit that they they have feelings for him mm. <laughs> in a way. I can say I have feelings for Blake Lively. I have very strong feelings. She's for another her. one. Yes, I think I can see that. Oh, I I have very strong feelings for her. Um but anyway. Yeah, Ryan Reynolds, I like would I kick him out of bed for trying to get me to sign on to Mint Mobile? No. But like no. do I want Mint Mobile? No. Uh, yeah. Do I want Ryan Reynolds? No. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, well, that's good to know. That's a good point of comparison. And yeah, chime in, everyone, if you agree. Yeah. Uh, I mean, zero monkey qualities. I think that needs to be said right up front. Yeah. What was that one TikTok I think I sent to the group chat? Like, either you're like a giraffe or like a monkey or like a... You, do you remember that? I don't remember like, that at all. Was I in ooh, that I have group to, chat? I'm like, maybe that was the other... That was the I'm other one kidding. that it, it's everyone but me in it. Okay. I understand how <laughs> it's this It's called works. Everyone But Colin. Everyone But Colin. All right. So, yeah. Hey, y'all. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> I, I'll, I'll find it again. It's on TikTok and it's a really interesting model of how to categorize... Um, I think every man, I swear, was in the group chat. Because I feel like you you chimed in on what you were. Ooh, Either way, now I'll that's that. Okay, yeah, send that again because yeah. I need to I need to figure out Refresh. what I am. You're yeah. like, I don't think I'm a monkey. I think that would be too hopeful. Sure. Uh, so well, let's talk about let's. Uh, this is something I want to talk about to bring us back to National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. Uh, I think I've resisted this for a long time, and I think I need to just make peace with the fact that in some ways. Cousin Eddie is a quintessential BSA. I'm so glad because I, it is, uh, he is a genius in this movie from like start to finish. Yeah. There's no one else that could have played this. Yeah. It's, and, and he steals the show. He, they, they don't get to that house till like, I don't know, like more than halfway through the movie. And, yep. He yep. completely steals the show as if he's been in the whole thing. Obviously, you know, he's a carryover from the first movie, but, like, it, th- I feel like you don't need to see that to appreciate him here. Like, I think talking about, you know, uh, Christmas party costumes or Halloween costumes, that, you know, white Christmas sweater with the black underneath, with the moose oh. eggnog, like, with the slick back hair is such a Halloween costume. The styling, his, yeah, everything. Everything is perfect about him. I mean, <laughs> even when he like at dinner, when he like uh, Clark says that Santa, you know, I heard on the radio that Santa's flying over, blah, blah, blah. He's like, you serious, Clark? Right. Like it, it, he commits and it is not over the top. It is perfect. Yeah. He never takes it over the top. I think that scene where they're at Walmart and he just keeps loading up the cart with dog food, <laughs> which stresses God. me out. I don't know I why know. that dog food is too much that there that's just that rottweiler doesn't need it no snots. no snots is is either in, incredibly backed up or is just like a camel what goes in something comes out because that that food is no good but the way that randy quaid is just like playing that scene casually and playing like there's there there's so many times where he could put an exclamation point on the joke and he doesn't and yet it still is kind of in a good way over the top 
Yeah, I mean, even when you know he kind of fart, he farts. Sorry, I'm sorry. sorry I, thanks he for that. Yeah, <laughs> he fights Clark is what I was trying to say. Um, you know, a couple times when he's like, "Well, we want to," you know, "we want to give the kids a nice Christmas," and then that line is, "This is a surprise, Clark. This is a real nice surprise." Yeah, it's so funny. It's so good, and and you know, and I understand. Like, I I realize no one can appreciate anything anymore without acknowledging somebody's political background. I recognize that outside of this movie, Randy Quaid is you know, quote unquote, problematic. I'm not sure. talking about Randy Quaid. I'm talking about Cousin Eddie. You know That's what I right. mean? So it's like I can appreciate in the same way that I can. I love Rosemary's Baby, and I can recognize what Roman Polanski did, and and down the line, all the movies we've talked about that sure. have been that have included collaborations from people who've who've been mean to cats and I didn't know it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, for example. So I just, I think that he, that scene in the supermarket, I feel like it's so disgusting, but it is so incredible when he's outside in his robe, smoking a, a cigar, emptying the septic tank, like just the body language, just like the energy. It's like, you realize this is a performance. Like this man Maybe it's not a maybe it's not like Meryl Streep becoming Cousin Eddie. You know what I mean? Like, I don't think Randy Quaid to Cousin Eddie is like the biggest drive across the country, but it's still like a a total transformation into this gross character, you know? Yeah, this is the character that everyone remembers. You walk out of the theater. He has the most like he has the funniest things to do. He wears the funniest things. And like you said, he comes in like two thirds of the way through and, you know, his heart is bigger than his brain, as yeah. Clark says. And, like, just the way he says, thank you, Clark. <laughs> yeah, and I think that's an interesting point, is that, like, Cousin Eddie is, an, is also not a villain in the movie. He's just... No, he's, he's harmless. Just, he's harmless. He's, like, a pain in the ass. He does have a heart, you know? He does, you know, obviously the whole thing with kidnapping Clark's boss at the end is, like, okay, well, he really wanted to... This came from a place of, like, I really want to get you something great, you know? And I think yeah. that's kind of sweet, you know? <laughs> Yes. I mean, this is to say nothing of Miriam Flynn, who plays Catherine. Yeah. His wife. I love her. I love her little outfit in her first scene when she like first shows up because she oh, yeah. is admittedly the most put together person of that family. She I think Miriam Flynn also has a hard job in these because she's in the first one as well. I think she has a hard job of like she is. Yeah, she is not as obscene or as grotesque as Eddie. Like she is certainly more sensible and and is more of a reasonable human being, but like it, we still have to believe that Catherine loves Eddie. You know what I mean? Like she still has to exist as those as those kids' mom, and I I think she does that very well without um without be, I don't know. Like she makes a character that's very hard to stand out work in the blend of this gross family. Yeah, I also love her um, her outfit. Like in the last scene, she has like these overalls. It's just very like late eighties, early nineties mom styling mm -hmm. she has like a little like like holly leaf on her lapel it's really cute and i do love you know when you know the squirrel squirrel um finally shows up that he's like he's like where's eddie he usually eats these damn things she's like oh no clark not anymore you know he's read that they're high in cholesterol or something right. it's a great line it's a little like throwaway i there's uh, speaking of throwaways there's this little moment that and i always love when like when you pair two characters that you don't really see interacting or yep, having I a moment together. That. Yes. And it's when uncle Lewis and aunt Bethany get there and Lewis's toupee comes off with his hat. Yes. And there's kind of a moment of Catherine and Clark kind trying to 
like he's like hands her the hat like they both notice it together and then he like hands yep. her the hat and then he's trying to finagle putting the toupee back on but it was such like you would expect that to be an ellen and clark moment but it was a Catherine and clark moment and i think that's so cool yeah and like Catherine kind of you know she jumps right in she's like all right i know let's take these let's take her into the living room hello everybody <laughs> i love that well because you know we, I mean, we have brought queen may Questall into the uh... conversation the other just like the the other robbery in this movie is May Questall stealing uh, this Questel, Questall, 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 you know, Betty Boop herself. Queen May. Queen May. I love that. Queen May as Aunt Bethany is, oh my God, just a, a, a sweetheart. She really is. She looks like Betty Boop or something. Like, like even though she's a million years old, she's still looks of like a different time really like and it's all like her outfit and everything and the way her hair is styled but uh well you know I that hope she, I can she is the original betty boop what yeah i thought so uh, yeah so she i swear i'm not looking these yeah things, uh, no she's uh, she is betty boop oh she's the voice of betty boop my lord and it was like she like basically the the creator of betty boop saw like because she kind of grew to some popularity doing impersonations and you know comedy and singing and like you know at wh whatever point and then at maybe the 20s because i think betty boop i think he created it in 1931 and he wow. came across her like boop boopy doop act and then like basically based it off of her and she did oh the my voice. gosh yeah young may questel i'm looking it up right now whoa yeah uh yeah so she's and she did the voice of olive oil and popeye like she's she's incredible she's she's uh you know and this is her her final movie role um a great one to go out but yeah according to imdb she has 410 acting credits whoa yeah. i mean i mean one of the the lines that i still quote to this day it, it's also it's it's a william hickey line who plays uncle lewis like the blessing the blessing <laughs> and he just like kind of goes <laughs> i mean it's so and when diane ladd screams grace oh that scene so yeah so clark is like well i think you know we should have aunt bethany say grace i mean it's such a great setup for a bit grace yeah grace grace she died years ago yes wants you to do the blessing oh my god and he has those like fingers in front of him while he's yeah, saying the it blessing. the blessing Dang. Uh, William Hickey, he's like a character actor who's been around forever. I mean, it, it's some, they have some real incredible casting in this. I mean, it's, it's nuts. I, I mean, my favorite Uncle uh, Lewis line is, you couldn't hear a dump truck driving through a nitroglycerin plant. Yeah. <laughs> She's like, it's a strange squeaking sound. Oh, I, I love that oh, detail that she, heard the, that she heard the squirrel. I love that. And that she just continues mm -hmm. like knitting as everyone freaks out. And Uncle, uh, it's, it's so perfect. Oh, my God. And, and they come in like, I don't know, 20 minutes before the movie's over you know what i mean like they're you know uh yeah they're they show up like christmas night so it's like smaller roles but when uh at the very end when the when the sewer tank blows up and then aunt bethany starts singing the star spangled banner and then she goes play ball and then she does that like hand on the hips yes the like pose. crooked smile i was done that was like that's on a tote bag that's on a tank top that's on a cake so i can eat it i love it yes that's the halloween costume yes, yes. <laughs> oh cake top 
Uh, yeah, she is. I mean, Queen May. I I I never not laugh at her. Yeah, I mean, this is another potential Weston nominee. I mean, yes. I gotta say, I have very strong John Randolph for Queen feelings. Yes, I think that's one of the takeaways for me as well. While we're talking about John Randolph, I did want to highlight. John Randolph is uh no he he's interesting. I was looking him up. He got like uh blacklisted in the fifties, you know, as part of the sort of Whoa, like you know yeah. uh, House on American thing. And so uh he's kind of considered like an actor that you may recognize, but you may not know his name. Um but he is no stranger to playing dads. Uh he it's only in one episode, but he plays George Costanza's dad on Seinfeld. Whoa! Yeah, that must have been like an earlier season. It was the the handicap spot. That was the name of the episode where like George is trying to park his dad's car oh. in a handicap spot. I don't know. I didn't see it. I just looked it up. Um, okay. And then he in two episodes he played Roseanne's dad on Roseanne. Love that. And he plays, and hopefully you'll see this soon. He plays Tom Hanks's dad, and you've got mail. <gasps> Whoa. Sorry, I got really excited, and I just thought I should tell you that. <laughs> I mean, if I, that's all the reason I need. Yeah, so these are like, you know, John Randolph comes with a, you know, a high, like, Queen May just walked in for, you know, to get a Best Featured Ensemble nomination at the Westons next year. But John Randolph, I think, comes with a real, like, reasons to love John Randolph, you know? Yeah, and I, I also want to mention real quick, I feel like we never... I remember her being having more of an impact, even though she kind of does. But Doris Roberts, I mean, she has a couple zingers. You know, she has the I got hemorrhoids. Can you believe it? And when like in that initial uh -huh. like, flurry of in-laws coming through. But other than that, she's just kind of she's kind of there. Yeah, I agree. Actually, I think that E.G. Marshall and Doris Roberts get less to do than John Randolph and Diane Ladd. Um, you know, I, yeah, Doris Roberts, I, I felt was like, oh, I was excited to see her. But then she didn't really do anything. Um, yeah. And, and even art. I mean, I feel like he got a couple funny lines, the washing machine line, but uh, a little underused. Uh, fun fact about E.G. Marshall. He's been, again, in a ton of things. Uh, there's a movie called, it's a Woody Allen movie called Interiors that has a great Best Supporting Actress nominated performance by Maureen Stapleton. Ooh. Um, that is, it's, it's kind of a depressing movie, but she's incredible in it. And yes. he was in this movie in 1986 called Power that I don't think was very successful. But the reason it stands out to me is that uh, Beatrice Strait got a Worst Supporting Actress <gasps> Razzie nomination for it. Whoa. So obviously I need to see this movie immediately. I mean, not everyone can... Uh... Appreciate <sighs> Beatrice yeah. Strait, I think, is I the know. issue. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, in terms of appreciation, I think two people that we have not appreciated yet, and maybe we're we're saving at least a, a, a special side dish towards the end, are the Chesters next door, played by Julia Louis-Dreyfus, and who I always want to be David Duchovny, but is in fact someone named Nicholas Guest. Yes. The, I mean, I love when people, I mean, the, the line that everyone quotes is, I don't know, Marco, Ugh. but it's a great line reading of that. It's so good. I love that line. I just, it, yeah. it's so, it's so gay. Yeah. They're so 1989 chic. It's like, they don't belong in this neighborhood. Uh, they should, they belong in the city. That's stereo. Oh, oh my, my God. God. The stereo. 
I, I thought the same thing. Like, what are they doing in this suburban house? And yet they've got the, like, the plank stairs. They've got the, the fancy stereo. They've got neon lighting around the, like, built-in shelves. It's, like, I, I, seeing this as a kid, I was sort of fascinated by their house because it was that kind of late 80s, early 90s, uh, you know, chic. But, I mean, it's so... It it I actually I feel like it's actually probably in fashion again. I think their house is actually now in style. Yeah, even when Margot walked out, like the sunglasses she was wearing, I was like, yeah, you can you can walk in New York City and be fine. Oh yeah, all of these looks today. have come back into fashion. All of yeah. this, all of you know, this is Margot and Todd are right on. They are ahead, ahead of their, of time. their time. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Um, smaller roles, but I feel like. Uh, you know, I, I'm happy to see Julia Louis-Dreyfus in a movie, so I'll take it. Yeah, this is right before Seinfeld. Seinfeld started in 1990, so this is wow. like a year before. Uh, yeah, so it's like she's right on the brink there. I mean, and I just, I mean, the ending, you know, when she gets attacked by the squirrel and then the dog and then the door slams in her face. And I just her limping back to punch Todd in the face is, uh, it's perfect. Yeah, no, she's she's great. There was at some point earlier, and I can't remember the line, where she was like... Um, We'll get him or find out. She like, there's this shrillness where she like, she just, I don't know. I feel like you could do Todd and Margot in quotes, but I feel like she really like leaned into becoming Margot. Yes. Yeah. I mean, even her like wiping the floor and like crying. Uh huh. So good. What a mess. I think it was giving me uh, notes of that Seinfeld episode where it was like, um, just pack. Yeah. Just shut up and pack. Just shut up and pack. Yeah. The one thing I'll say, though, is and this has always stuck with me, and I still think it now, is that the whole set piece with Clark trying to get the lights on and then the, the lights finally come on the house and yes. it's, it is streaming into their bedroom and blinding them. I feel like some of the like physical comedy they're doing and the stumbling around and they're falling is a little excessive. It's like you're not in the, you're not in pitch black darkness here. Yeah. Uh, him falling down the stairs. Uh-huh. I mean, he'd be dead. There's like a couple people that should be dead in this movie. You know? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, and I love that the movie also like makes no effort to sell through why why Clark's boss at the end is like, well, maybe you're right. It's the people that are important. Like that would never happen. But I I like that the movie is like, okay, well, we don't need to sell. This is not a real movie. This is not the real world. You know? Yes, and I did. I write Helen is his wife. I don't know the actress's name, but she's giving me Eileen Rand, and I love. Oh, her. absolutely. Uh, Helen is played by yeah. It's a, someone who shows up in the last ten minutes of the movie. She's like out of all the low down dirty ways to save a buck. Right. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Natalia Nogulik. There we go. Rolls right off the tongue. This was a lot of fun. I, I think it is worth mentioning as well the theme song sung by gospel singer Mavis Staples. Boy, does she not hold back. Oh, it's a great. I love that opening sequence too. It's cute. It's a little, a little cartoon and everything. But yeah, yeah. It's, a, it's a great. I, I immediately, I mean the song, it's the song, is it called Christmas Vacation? I'm imagining it is, right? She says Christmas Vacation enough times. Yeah, um, we'll go with that. Yeah. Um, but I, I do love that. And I always immediately think of that this movie, of course, anytime it's on. I love that song, but I'll say the music cue that 
just hits my teeth like aluminum foil is when they are going sledding. I mean, I know it's supposed to be cheesy, but the sequence yeah. where like Clark takes off and it's like it it's mostly Chevy Chase in front of a green screen going, "Hey, hey, whoa, whoa, hey, hey." But oh, like yeah. it's so but the music is unfathomably bad. Like it's just so wrong. And the weird thing about this movie, the, the thing that stands out to me is that the music was done by this guy, um, Angelo Badalamente. And I, I know him best as doing the theme song from the show Twin Peaks because that oh. ended up on like the Pure Moods soundtrack. Of course, Pure Moods. Sail away, sail uh -huh. away, sail away. So yeah. it was like that, <laughs> the theme from Twin Peaks and like, the theme from the X-Files. Um, oh. and, and, of course, like Enigma. You know, do you remember Enigma? No. Oh, I need to send you some songs. I need to okay. get you caught up on you. You'll know it when you hear it. But, um, okay. but yeah, no, this guy does, like, you know, lots of, of uh, David Lynch movies. And then here he is doing this, like, I'm assuming that was his choice to put that incredibly cheesy music behind Chevy Chase just uh, careening through miles of snow i'm like get off the sled yeah you have you have the ability to just to let go anytime just yes. let go but uh i you know that's just i just don't like people having fun obviously that's um, right yeah i picture like run run rudolph yeah uh, playing during that but that's not it I, I know what, it's interesting. I never paid attention to that music. I know what you're talking about, but I can't place it right now. Well, it should be Run Run Rudolph. Yeah. It certainly should be Run Run Rudolph, but no, instead it's 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 that. Maybe it'll it's be the music that. that plays us off today. I don't know. There it is. Um, it, I guess it's also worth mentioning towards the end here that this was written by John Hughes, and I do feel like that probably informs a lot, and I was thinking about this watching this. It's like movies just don't, feel like this anymore and i do think that john hughes movies had a certain feeling that you can't recreate um and like i can't even fully explain it but like comedy beats have gotten faster or like the the punchlines are different or i don't know that i feel like it's one thing to have diane ladd and john randolph and eg marshall and doris roberts but i feel like now we would have like susan sarandon and Dustin Hoffman it doesn't feel the same you know what I mean like that kind of casting yeah I, yeah it's true it's like are we just getting old or is it like you know what's kind of along the same lines too is like when it, people just seem like real people back in the day especially yeah. in these movies and now everyone's hot like but even like <laughs> right I don't know how to just like describe it, but also like what Keon mentions this a lot too is like when you know the the guys that we had crushes on like in TV shows or movies, whatever it happens to be, and we saw them shirtless. We we you thought they looked like, you know, what's his face in that movie Three Hundred or like all those men really, uh -huh. and then you look back and they're just like scrawny, like guys that didn't have a six pack or pecs or like decent arms even. They were just like you know, normal. Right, right. But and now we've got like, you know, the the Chris Pines, Evans, Pratt, you know, etc. Yeah, yes. Uh and like and everyone is just like, you know, or it's or it's Jason fucking Momoa fishing in a loincloth. Like Ugh, I mean I love him. How though. can yeah. we keep up, you know? I know. So maybe that's it. But I yeah, it's it's weird that those that generation of people 
would be playing these roles now. It's just, it's, it's strange to think about that. Yeah. It doesn't have the same specialness of like, Oh cool. E.G. Marshall is in this. It's more of like, Oh wow. It's, you know, Robert De Niro getting a paycheck. Like that's what it feels like now, you know? Yeah. 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 Um, but I, a lot of this can also be absolutely skewed by the fact that this comes from, you know, an era that we are, uh, naturally nostalgic for. And so yeah. even if this, whether or not this movie was a big part of our childhoods, the like, the aesthetic of it and the casting of it, like all of this comes from a time that we are very precious about. Yep. It's uh we're protective over it. Yeah. And for good reason. Yeah. Yeah. They don't make them like they used to Colin. No, they really don't. And no. I mean, that's, that would be my question to anybody uh, who's still listening is like, what, what Christmas movies today? Cause let's keep it, keep it specific. Feel like, you know, like, you mentioned Elf. I've never seen Elf. I have like I'm resisting Elf the way I resist almost famous and Pollock. I just like <laughs> will not. I just I think that sometimes there are some people who like quote Elf in a way that makes me not want to see Elf. Does that make sense? I hear that, and I know exactly what quotes they would be using. Yep. It'd be like the same, like it, like shitters full, like. But you could also quote like. I don't know, Margot. Um, I think that you would like it. Um, it's giving me maybe an assignment in a couple of weeks, maybe like the week of Christmas, I might have you watch it. I I think you can really find some good nuggets. It's one of Will Ferrell's bests. And Zoe Deschanel is Zoe Deschanel. Um, what's her face is in it. She plays like his... Yeah, Mary like, Steenburgen yeah, or something. Of course. Yeah, And, you know, James Caan, he's great. Yeah, I love him. Um, yeah. Yeah, there's some good... Yeah, I think you would like it. I but think, I understand the resistance. Yeah, like I feel like it... it my impression of it is that it's kind of the Christmas movie of Will Ferrell being a man boy. And I feel like there are people from an earlier era who like really get off on like, look at him. He's being crazy. Uh, like there was that era where like man boys were really like, like stepbrother. Yes. And yes. And old school yeah. and anchorman and all of that, that whole, that world that I'm just like, is this just the Christmas movie of that? aesthetic you know yeah i i think i don't think it is but i know why you would think that obviously it's like uh like jim carrey or something like that but even more so with will will ferrell it's like i think like the grinch for jim carrey is what like elf is for will ferrell mm. like they they are committed performances there's some heart there and it's not what you normally see from them all right i think you'd like it so you know We'll put a pin in that. Yeah. I, I, I think the only way I'll really watch it is an assignment. So, yeah. Um, yeah. Oh, Marco is priming to jump up here. Ma'am. <laughs> oh, he's such a <laughs> ma'am. You need to get down. You need to get down. Come on. Uh, well, uh, I think I may be wrong, but I think we might be getting played off right now. I think we went on too long about Elf, and they were like, they're not even talking about National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation anymore. <laughs> Play them off. Cue the music. Cue I the feel music. good. I'm so glad that we did this. I love a Christmas movie, and I love this movie. Yeah, this was really, this. I'm really glad, like, watching this, obviously, just for this episode, I was also like, oh, I'm watching National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation during the Christmas season. Like, yeah. I love seeing the little hands opening the little doors on the advent calendar. You it's know? a great advent calendar. Yeah. yeah. Best supporting advent calendar. Best supporting advent calendar. Watch out, Westons. So, yes. best supporting prop. Yeah. Um, but... Uh, all that being said, where could folks find more of you? 
They can find me on my other podcast, The Good Vanilla, which is a Barefoot Contessa podcast, or you can follow me on Instagram at Nick Chanov. How about you? Well, you could find me on All Right Mary, where we are uh, going to be putting out some... What are we doing this? I actually have no idea what we're doing on the main feed this month, but we are going to be having episodes, so, you know, subscribe. But then I think on Patreon, we're going to have some Christmas movies, or not... Hook. Hook. We're going to have Hook. Give him the hook. We're going to have Hook on Christmas. Uh... But you could also find me on Instagram at Condrucker underscore, and you could find both of us in a best supporting capacity at BSA Pod. Or you can send us an email at thebsapod at gmail.com. And keep your freaking peepers peeled because we are going to be continuing this conversation and talking about so many other things including the white lotus on the best supporting after show uh if you'd like to join us for that and get early access to episodes just like this you could join us at patreon.com slash bsa pod get on over there folks there's lots of lots to hear yeah uh and uh that as they say is that Take